The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Warning. This episode contains foul language, some disturbing animal stories, and a parasite that makes me want to die. are listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we get together with one of our friends and we chat about something weird. My name is Ashley and today I'm joined once again by my beautiful pregnant co-host Lauren and the crazy, cool, and talented Madeline Wilkheim. This week is part two of our Weird Nature special, the first of many, I assume. Boy, is it crazy out there. Last week, we discussed weather and plants, and this week, we're focusing on the animal kingdom. From super scary parasites that we just do not understand, super talented birds, and unexplainable animal behaviors like frog wars. You heard me. Frog wars. We're dedicating this episode to a wonderful nonprofit in the LA area called A Purposeful Rescue that saves good pups from kill shelters. And you can hear more about that organization at the end of the episode. Madeline tells us all about them. Christmas is a tough time to ask for money, so we're going to take 50% of our Patreon earnings for the month of January, and we're donating it to a purposeful rescue in Los Angeles. So if you want to join our Patreon, you've been planning to join, January is a great time to do so. If not, you can also just offer a one-time donation via the Patreon website, or you can donate directly at www.apurposefulrescue.org slash donate if you prefer that before i let you get to listening to the good stuff we have finally booked our hotel stay for our finale lauren and i are going to be taking a haunted christmas tour of culver city we'll be staying at and exploring the rooms and halls of the historic culver hotel taking a walk through the holy cross cemetery and even taking a peek at the infamous entity house that we talked about in our holly weird episodes we'll probably be doing some facebook instagram live videos on the night of december 15th if you guys want to tune in and the full episode should come out on december 21st but these investigation episodes take a ton of work We have to do the investigation and then I have to listen to about nine hours of audio and then we have to meet back up to discuss our findings and then I have to edit a full episode. So if it does not get completed by December 21st, I'll be putting it out right after Christmas. It will be a nice, creepy Christmas gift for you, the loves of our lives, our listeners. Just follow us on social media, um, Twitter and Instagram at Keep It Weird Cast will keep you posted on when our finale is going to be airing. All right, enough. Enjoy the show. Okay, so before we move on to animals, I have kind of a middle ground, middle evolutionary ground from animal. I don't even know if that's not true. Plants don't evolve into parasites. No. <laughs> But some plants are parasites, I assume. I'm not a scientist. So, okay, fungal parasites creep me out. As they should. So, 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 Yeah, does anyone just enjoy them? I, someone's gotta. Yeah, maybe. It's not me. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I hate them. 
This one is the scariest one. If if anything like this started happening to humans, like we'd be done. Count me out. Yeah. I'm done. Just Bye. kill me. So this fungal parasite affects ants mostly and is called I'm gonna call him Ow. <laughs> <laughs> His full name is Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. You're gonna call him Ow. Ow. So <laughs> he causes okay it causes its host to behave in very peculiar ways including climbing as high as they can on a root a tree a flower a stem etc and then clamping down and hanging precariously from the edges until they die <laughs> for a long time it was thought that the fungus actually alters the brain of the bug in some way forcing the behavior but recent findings like last year recent mm. um, have found that it's even crazier than that in a new work published in the journal called Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists, they studied the behavior of the fungal infection in the host ant's body in a more detailed way than ever before and discovered it's not actually the brain of the ant that is overwhelmed. Instead, the fungus actually takes complete control of the ant's body, <laughs> spreading its cells to the insect's abdomen and legs as well as its head, but leaves the brain of the bug untouched, which means if ants have rational thought, they can't control anything their body is doing, and but they, they know, know what's, what's happening to them. So, real oh quick tangent. Do you ever... I feel like I didn't have these until somebody else explained them to me, and now I'm pissed because my Sleep friend paralysis. Nora. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Right? Wait, where you wake up, <laughs> mm-hmm. and your brain's awake, but your body's not awake. Right. You're yep. trying to wake up your body, but you can't wake up your body, mm. but your brain's awake. It's the most terrifying thing that's oh, ever happened God. all the time It's, it's very awful. scary. Yeah. It's a recent thing for me. I never had it until someone else told me about it, and now I have it. It's anyway. a nightmare. There are ways that you can, like, you can try and prevent it. I would love to talk about it later yeah, after I you tell me more about these ants. But, I mean, you'd have to you'd have to look it up. But okay. yeah, it's sort of like <laughs> that, where it's like your brain is fully aware of what's going on, and you have no control yep. over your body. Mm-hmm. Poor ant. Only this ant is literally a zombie ant, and ha- like just has to go where its body leads it. And what it does, the reason that it climbs as high as possible, is that eventually. It's going to get the ant as high as it, its body will go, and it's going to clamp down. It's going to make the ant's jaws close as tight as possible. The ant's going to be rendered completely mm-hmm. unmoving. And then this fungus is going to burst out of its head, and its spores are going to come out. Oh and the reason my. it gets as high as possible is because the higher you get, the further your spores are going to reach. Oh, right. <laughs> there is some really beautiful footage on planet earth of this phenomenon that is terrifying with the thing coming out of the yeah. ant's head yeah, yeah it's horrible of course yeah. they were able to capture it on camera because that <laughs> film crew is amazing captured on well apparently it it's very common oh so this yeah. is happening all the time yeah it's right. a horrible did, thing for did ants. you see the movie annihilation i know I did not. I heard it's well, wonderful, but I haven't. Well, yet. you should. <laughs> I'm not going to tell does you Does it connect why. to this? <laughs> it kind of connects to no, this. I'm uh, even more intrigued. There was a really cool episode of. Do you know the? Um, do you know the show Face Off? Yes, of course. The, the makeup. Effects? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hell yeah! So they had an episode in. I don't know if it was the most recent season or the one before that because I'm always behind because I don't have cable. But they had an episode where. They took the idea of this cool fungus yeah. Yeah. like bursting mm-hmm. out and uh-huh. like being a zombie, but they had to create zombies with this fungus in mm-hmm. mind. But like one of them was a sea creature zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So the things that were bursting out were like starfish and crabs. Okay. And one was like a werewolf zombie mm-hmm. and it was like fur. It was really cool. That's it so was like fun. a really cool thing. <laughs> oh, just this is just an ant fact. Yes. I just really like this. So army ants. Army ants are blind and will follow the smell of their neighbor in order to reach the nest. Sometimes chemical trails of large groups of army ants can get looped around into a circle, and the ants will therefore continue walking around and around until they drop dead from exhaustion. Okay, not as cute. Oh, thought it was going to be a cute story. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Horrifying. Awful. So parasites are truly amazing and complex and like maddening because I just don't understand why. Yeah. They exist. But another crazy one I'm going to call DP. <laughs> Dip, Diplostomum pseudospeth, spethaceum. 
Oh, my. DP is a common parasite that lives inside fish eyeballs. And it also controls the fish's behavior, much like the parasite and the ant. And DP has a life cycle that actually takes place in three different types of animals. So the whole purpose of this parasite is to get from animal to animal to animal so that its life cycle will start again, start again, start again. That's gross. This is wild. First, the parasites mate in a bird's digestive tract, shedding their eggs in its poopy, in its Mm -hmm. feces. The eggs hatch in the water into larvae that seek out freshwater snails to infect. They grow and multiply, multiply inside the snails before being released into the water, ready to track down their next host, which are the fish. The parasites penetrate the skin of the fish and travel into the lens of the eye to hide out and grow. And when the parasite is young and inside the eye of the fish, it actually helps its host say, stay safe from predators. Oh. But once the parasite matures, it takes over and it does everything it can to get that fish eaten by a bird so it can continue its life cycle. I was trying so to be so proud of this parasite taking <laughs> no, care of the fish. It will take care of the fish loses. until it's ready to mature and start its life cycle over again. And then it will make the fish f- swim up to the surface and shine its scales and get caught by a bird so that the bird will eat it and it can start mating again in the tummy who thought of this parasite like i just i'm sorry i'm not religious but why (laughs) this is why there's no god because he wasn't just like oh i don't know i don't know this guy's gonna live all kinds of teddy bears let's make a parasite (laughs) this horrible parasite i hate it DP, you suck. Yeah, DP's the worst. But this actually happens a lot. There's another parasite that I like to call TG. (laughs) I'm not going to try. They infect mice and make them unafraid of cats. Like, they literally make them crazy and unafraid of cats so that the cats will eat them because they have to breed inside cats. So they just make the mice sit there so like, oh, the cat, like, why are you walking towards me? Yeah. Oh, no. So they can get Fascinating. Eaten. I know. They're only thing in life is survival. That's yeah. it. Mating and survival. Mating and survival. And like animals are the same. A lot of <sighs> sure. animals are the same, yeah. especially like cold blooded animals. <laughs> <of life. laughs> but these things are literally just like survive. Ugh. Survive. It's nuts. I don't like them. <laughs> Speaking of the circle of life, did you guys see the trailer for the new line? Yeah, thing? I can't talk about it because yeah. I got real choked up. I'm thrilled. Simba is so cute. Simba Listen. is so cute. Listen, it's just the same thing in CGI. Yeah, I, it is. Hey, amen. But like, I can't <laughs> wait to cry all the tears at that beautiful I'm CGI. Gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go. It's like it's happening. I'm gonna go. <laughs> but I am no, more excited about. Fair. Aladdin. Oh, hell yeah. Because right? that's actually going to be live that's action. Cool. <laughs> yeah. No, to call this Lion King live action is not real. They should have just been like, we're making a CGI remake. But, yeah, but I'm going to go. It's cool. So cute. Yeah. Simba is so yeah. cute. And Beyonce. Well, yes. I wonder I wonder um, if adult Simba is going to be as hot as he was in the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I I think Remember, so. Though? I think he's going to, like, we all thought that lion was hot. We couldn't explain it. it. Matthew Broderick did a great voice. <laughs> What was that TV show, like Animorphs or something? Was that really oh. right up your alley? Um, oh, yes. <laughs> I loved Animorphs, and it had that really cute blonde guy. No. <laughs> you both got so silent, and he turned into a cat. Everyone's evil. Whoa. Okay, we're done here. We're, we're done thought we were here. talking about Animorphs. <laughs> anyway. We're not talking about Animorphs. We are talking about animals, though, and I yes. want to hear about these. Go on. So there are a couple of mysterious animal die-offs that I started looking up, and they're fascinating because some of them are unsolved. And we're going to take it way back to 1754 for the first one. This one's called the Battle of the Frogs. So legend has it that in 1754, in the hamlet of Windham in Connecticut Colony, the Battle of the Frogs commenced. It was literally a battle pitting frog against frog. At the time, a number of men in the area had departed to fight the French and the Indians. One hot night in June, the remaining men in the town heard screeching and began to fire wildly, believing they were under attack. The next morning, they discovered that the sounds had come from frogs that were either battling over the lost remnants of water in a drought-stricken pond or just ticked off at each other. (laughs) They They never really knew why the whole episode occurred, but hundreds, some say thousands of frogs died. They just In like, a battle of frogs? <laughs> yeah. 
They just decided, like, I'm not putting up with your croaking anymore, Buster. I wonder if it started between two frogs, and, and then, then all the other frogs were like, involved. whoa, 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 whoa. All the gangs came out, yeah. and they all banded together. Battle of the frogs. That's oh hilarious. And also really frogs mysterious. slapping the shit out of each other, like, all night. Also, yeah, how do frogs fight? Yeah, what is a battle? I've like? seen Planet Earth. I should like, know this. Impact with each other? I don't know. I they probably head do. They probably until like their brains came out. Yeah. Murder each other. Go on. <laughs> All right. Oh, Bringing it God. more to present day. So this was this was, I believe, in 2011. It was definitely during right over the New Year. Some residents in an Arkansas town must have felt transported to an earlier age of superstition when, over the first weekend of the New Year, thousands of red wing red wing blackbirds fell dead from the sky. We're talking no. about four to five thousand birds here. Damn. The same phenomenon occurred two days later, with some 500 blackbirds dropping dead in Louisiana. Scientists have puzzled over what killed them, ruling out disease or some form of poisoning. Instead, initial autopsies revealed internal trauma and hemorrhaging, possibly as a result of some violent midair collision among the blackbirds, who tend to fly in very tight formations. They could have also been disoriented by a passing thunderstorm and waterlogged by its rainfall. In any event, EPA officials swiftly (laughs) arrived on the scene wearing... Sneeze made a fart sound that it made me laugh. I'm five years old. That was pathetic. Okay, anyway. (laughs) That was the dumbest sneeze. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Madeline. Not at all. Um, EPA. Yes. EPA officials swiftly arrived on the scene wearing gas masks and fully covered in hazmat gear while cleaning away the corpses. I wonder if it has to do with uh, magnetic fields. So this article that I got this list from was published in 2011. So I was like, okay, it's a little dated. Maybe there's been some research done since then. So I found a few other articles that kind of also talked about it. Uh, So I'm going to read you some stats from those because I was like, really? They just impacted, but like impacted with what? Yeah. Right. Each other? Like what? So there was this one guy who didn't sound totally credible. Uh, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> his I'm name sure. was Jim Bob. <laughs> I'm sure he is. And this is from the Smithsonian.com. And I'm sure I think his name is Gary. And we'll get to Gary. I'm sure he's lovely. The tests were conducted. Uh, so this is about the same incident. BB, Arkansas. On New Year's Eve, blunt force trauma. So the tests were conducted by the Southeastern Cooperative Wildlife Disease Study. The Arkansas Livestock and Poultry Commission and the U.S. Geological Survey's National Wildlife Health Center in Madison, Wisconsin. So lots of credible agencies. They took it it seriously. That's good. (laughs) The report concluded that in most instances, such traumatic injuries in wild birds are due to flying into stationary objects such as trees, houses, windows, power lines, towers, etc., I don't know. That's Mm, a lot. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, what was interesting to Graves was the side of the bird's roost, which according to the report was estimated at 1.6 million birds. That's huge. So when you look at the number that was actually killed, that's hardly any. That's true. But what caused the birds to fly the coop? It appears the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission concluded that unusually loud noises reported shortly before the birds began to fall caused the birds to flush from the large roost. Additional New Year's Eve fireworks in the area may have forced the birds to fly at a lower altitude than normal. Blackbirds have poor night vision and typically do not fly at night. So they so basically they could have been crashing because they couldn't. They sleep. got spooked by fireworks and then flew all crooked I'm still and ran into flew each the other. wrong way the and way that, hit a barn or yeah, something. But the way that they report it makes it sound like that these guys are just coming down everywhere. So they must yeah. have been flying into each other. So I, uh, my one last little bit of research is from Popular Science, and this kind of helped explain it. I, I guess in March or confuse me <laughs> more. Guess. In March of last year, <laughs> seventy-five starlings turned up dead, bashed to death. It seemed in a tight cluster on a driveway in Coxley, England. Cause of death, miscalculation. After investigating, experts concluded the birds either took an evasive maneuver to avoid a predator and crashed into the driveway or mistook the patina of the concrete for a bed of reeds and came in too fast. Hmm. 
Interesting. So, I mean, I guess that's what maybe could have happened to the blackbirds and that they're just right. running into each other. Yeah. Well, that's why I thought maybe that's just birds, so many. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I, that's All why I thought maybe it had something to do with magnetic fields because they've discovered recently, not super recently, but like fairly recently, how birds flock mm-hmm. the way that they flock yeah. uh-huh. and, you know, how they know to migrate north or south you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with like i mean it has a little bit to do with like the weather changing and stuff but it has everything to do with magnetic fields and the way animals can sense and use magnetic fields to survive right so even like and that's how birds flock that's how they know like when they're turning that's how they know where to go right that's how bats fly long distances because they obviously especially like echolocation works in caves it doesn't work outside yeah Yeah. what do you do when you're um and then also Cows, when they are grazing, uh-huh. will only face north or south. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> they do not face oh, east or west. And they all face like the same direction while they're grazing with their, you know, group. Well, so this got me thinking. I was like, it's, I guess it's crazy. And I guess it's understandable if you're in like a huge flock of birds and you can't really see the horizon, which you yeah. need to fly. So you're just like, oh, I follow my neighbor left or right, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just kind of following the flow. That kind of got me thinking about lemmings. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with these lemmings off jumping off a cliff? Yeah, I know like, whatever the, the, the one ahead of them yeah, does. Exactly, yeah. committing suicide. Right. Yeah, it's a lie. What? What? Okay. So Wait. I because I was Excuse like, Excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> this is what I found from the Alaska Fish and Wildlife News. This was published on September 2003. Uh, lemming suicide myth. Disney film faked bogus behavior. <gasps> Disney. Yeah. Sorry, I know you love Disney in this house. Um, it's me. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's fair. There's always controversy around Disney. I'm used to it. Yeah, and this is the most controversial. Yeah, what? Like, this oh, is wait. more controversial than Walt Disney being racist. No, he wasn't racist, but he, you know, he didn't like. He didn't like. He didn't help Jews at all. <laughs> Which there is. There's things that are just rumors, but anyway, okay. <laughs> we won't get into the anti-Semite stuff. Right Alaska <laughs> had to say, this is by Riley Woodford, it's a complete urban legend. Ah. That's actually was Thomas McDonough that said that. I think it's blown out of proportion based on a Disney documentary in the 50s, and that brought it to the mainstream. So it, for anybody that doesn't know, lemmings are kind of like mice. They're kind of like wood they're creatures. Rodents, mm-hmm. Exactly. They? They're yeah. a kind of short-tailed vole, a mouse-lay rodent that favors tundra and open grasslands. Three kinds are found in Alaska, including the collared lemming, the only rodent that turns white in winter. Cool. Whoa. I didn't. I it know. Turns wild. I know. I didn't research that part, but I found that cool. Wow. How fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 1958, Walt Disney produced White Wilderness part of the studio's True Life Adventure series. So if you go, you can find this clip on the internet. And I watched it. And being a filmmaker, I think you will see what they're talking about (laughs) when you watch it. It's kind of like, you know, early forms of planet Earth, where it's just like... Right. It's it's funny, too, because it has like little Disney sound effects and then like the timpani roll and... Uh, it's, so a, they, it's a nature they documentary. Yeah, it's a nature documentary. <laughs> it's okay. a nature documentary for mm-hmm. children. But according to a 1983 investigation by Canadian Broadcasting Corporation producer Brian Vallee, or Vallee the lemming scenes were faked. The lemmings supposedly committing mass suicide by leaping into the ocean were actually thrown off a cliff by the <gasps> Disney filmmakers. No. Oh, no. My gosh. The epic lemming migration was staged using careful editing, tight camera angles, and a few dozen lemmings running on snow-covered Lazy Susan-style <gasps> turntables. Why would Shut they do that? Up. Why would That's they do so that? Mean. This report is very harsh. It does seem it's like... so mean. Yeah. It, it is so mean, and I'm very surprised. But I mean, I guess, you know, I'm sadly not surprised as much as I love Disney. I can see them being like, we this have to get anyone. the shot. Yeah, yeah this yeah, could have been any filmmaker, really. Just like, we to have Disney, to get which makes it even more shocking. I know I we have to get the story. White Wilderness was filmed in Alberta, Canada, a landlocked province and not on location in Lemmings Natural Habitat. There are about 20 lemming species found in the circumpolar 
polar north, but evidently not in that area of Alberta. So the Disney people bought lemmings from Inuit children a couple provinces away in Manitoba and staged the whole sequence. In the lemming segment, the little rodents assemble for a mass migration, scamper across the tundra, and ford a tiny stream as narrator Winston Hibbler explains that a kind of compulsion seizes each tiny rodent and carried along by an unreasoning hysteria each falls into step for a march that will take them to a strange destiny. That destiny is to jump into the Death. ocean as they approach the sea, quote unquote, which is actually a river because of tight cropping. Hibbler continues, they've become victims of an obsession, a one track thought. Move on, move on. The pack of lemmings reaches the final precipice. And then he says, this is the last chance to turn back. Yet over they go, casting themselves out bodily into space. But they were really just being pushed. They were just thrown awful. That's so sad. Yeah. But why? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question, dude. I don't know. Why did that have to happen? Why did they do that? I don't know. I mean, were they? Was Disney confused and they were trying to reenact the mass migration and then? Words got mixed about because then it goes on that lemmings can swim and will cross bodies of water in their quest for greener pastures. Sometimes they do drown. Uh, Dispersal and accidental death is a far cry from the instinctive, deliberate mass suicide depicted in White Wilderness. But Hibbler explains that life is tough in the lemmings weird world of frozen chaos. The voiceover implies that lemmings take the plunge every seven to ten years to alleviate overpopulation. Mm. Uh, yeah okay but they okay so but where so lemmings yes are they kind of like the army ants where they do follow each other i don't think so. i mean not even i don't so know it honestly, like that's just completely honestly this made up. was something i found out today because i was looking over all my research and i was like but what about lemmings <laughs> and i yes, found this the world lemmings. knows lemmings as the things that follow each other like we call other humans lemmings if we think they're a it's follower like our whole life yeah because is it's wrong. literally based off the if your friends jump off a bridge would you exactly right. yeah. are you a lemming oh my god what is up and what is down <laughs> I'm so upset. It's raining dogs and cat poles. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's maybe more to we be lost. done on our side, but Alaska Fish and Wildlife is like, it's a big yeah. Yeah. crock like, hey, of shit. Guess what? Oh, no. My no. Gosh. No. Maybe mass migration, but not mass suicide. suicide. Right. Which is, yeah, that's huge. That is a huge discovery. Yeah. So, there's some more mass uh, things happening with animals. I want to know more. So, West Coast pelicans. They crashed into cars and boats, huddled in yards, and were struck by vehicles. Poor guys. These made me sad. Hundreds of pelicans from Oregon to Mexico were found either acting funny or dead in 2009, and no one was really sure why. Rescuers speculated that the odd behavior was possibly an illness caused by a virus or contaminants washed into the ocean after forest fires in Southern California. Another theory was that unseasonable weather patterns threw off the birds' eating habits, causing them to act disoriented. Bummer. Yikes. Yeah. But do they not know for sure? It didn't like, did they like test? It. I don't I mean I think that's must be I it kind of s- seems like people don't care. I mean like cuz they're like True. why did this happen? But then it's it doesn't like happen. It's not like they like again. went extinct. Yeah. Well, okay, so listen to this one. Australian pilot whales. In late 2008, 60 pilot whales beached themselves along the rocky coast of the southern Australia island state of Tasmania. A Whoa. week later, 150 long, thin pilot whales did the same. Then, in so a year later, then in early January 2009, 45 sperm whales perished when they stranded themselves on a Tasmanian sandbar. And lastly, in the most egregious in the string of incidents, 194 pilot whales and a handful of bottleneck dolphins breached themselves along the same coastline in March. By the time officials arrived at the scene, 140 were dead. Using stretchers, small boats, and jet skis, more than 100 volunteers managed to save 54. But with four beaching incidents in as many months, scientists found themselves at a loss to explain why the majestic mammals had gone ashore. I had heard of that one before. I did not know the numbers on it. Jesus. That is so many. That's a lot of animals. Yeah. Why? Why did that happen? Why so many? water? Yeah. I don't know. It could be warming water. It yeah. could be that, you know, because shallow waters are, are colder waters. I mean, either like extremely deep or I'm sorry, shallow waters are the warmer, warmer. waters mm-hmm. and they get confused when like 
the usually very very freezing cold is waters is starting mm-hmm. to warm up mm-hmm. they get confused about which way is what it could mm-hmm. be true and they go too shallow mm-hmm. they go too shallow and then they can't they get back out that's so sad but that is a lot and that is weird that it, it is a lot yeah mm-hmm. i agree that seems like like something else was at play there aliens they, of course that's and, the answer okay. in the first research i did about the blackbirds who's that guy that i'm very skeptical of seemed to think that the arkansas incident was unrelated to the louisiana incident that it was just like these things happen sometimes wasn't they, like, it just get a couple startled. days later yeah and it was blackbirds like, yeah shit happens yeah he, yeah no, and my that's later like too coincidental the same phenomenon occurred two days later. Yeah, with no, five, with shut some up, 500 guy. blackbirds dropping dead in Louisiana. Yeah, that has to be connected. I that's what I thought too. But Who's he was this like- dummy? <laughs> Jim Bob. Jim Bob Joe. <laughs> okay, two more. Chilean birds and sardines. Over the course of two months in 2009, millions of sardines, thousands of flamingos, hundreds of penguins, and nearly 60 pelicans died in seemingly unrelated incidents. First, it was the penguins. About 1,200 were found dead in late March on a remote beach in southern Chile. Next, in April, millions of sardines washed ashore nearby. Then thousands of the rare Andean flamingo abandoned their nests in the north of Chile, leaving their 2,000 chicks to die in their shells. Lastly, in late May, nearly 60 pelicans were found dead on the South American nation's central coast. What's worse, no one could say concretely why these animals had died. While some pointed to global warming, overfishing, population, or disease, most blamed Chile's especially dry and hot 2009 summer. Whoa. Penguins are my favorite animal, and that makes me so sad. I'm so sorry. Sardines are your favorite animal? Yes, the (laughs) sardines are. They're so cute. All right, we are all familiar with this one. Uh, It started in 2006. Scores of honeybees began dying for seemingly no reason, prompting scientists to come up with the term colony collapse disorder. According to the Department of Agriculture, reported bee colony death rates in the U.S. were 29% in 2009, rising to 34% in 2010. And although a handful of plausible explanations have been offered, fungal infection... As we know from Ashley, thank you. Mm-hmm. Pesticides, <laughs> climate change, no one really knows why they're dying. But it's not just honeybees. A recent study by the University of Illinois suggests that the four main types of bumblebee populations have plummeted more than 90% in the past 20 years. That 90%. is such a large number. Well, that's why I was saying earlier that new, um, that new data from... I, I, I mean, I don't know where it's from. Science? I have no idea. But I was reading an article. It was in <laughs> but New York. we believe them is the right? important part. Yes, but the We're New York Times the article that believes about how insects just as a whole right. are disappearing. Are they call it like the windshield factor. Like wow. literally used to, you drive cross country, you got to scrape bugs off your windshield. Yeah. You don't have to anymore. That's crazy They're like disappearing so quickly. And the thing is, is like bugs are incalculable we have no Mm -hmm. idea how many there are are just but they're disappearing at such a rate that we're noticing yeah which means they're they're going that's a big deal yeah and it's so dangerous for humans because we rely on them for so much i mean especially the bees Mm -hmm. that's really scary the bees the bees I just want to go on record and say how important it is to believe scientists because, first off, science is awesome, but there are science a lot of cool. parts of science that are very unfun. And I, my hat's off to all scientists out there, yeah, but yeah. like how strict they have to be with yeah. their studies mm-hmm. and like proving and disproving, like, and how long it, I mean, it takes yep. lifetimes, sometimes mm-hmm. multiple lifetimes. Yeah. Like, you will start a project and you won't get to see the finish. end of it. It, it, you, yeah, it's you won't get to see it, you it end, or if you something won't get to goes see wrong the with it, or if it's like contaminated in some way, mm-hmm. yeah. and you, you get have to paid start all over. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should be making millions for the time that they have to spend on these things. Scientists should be our new rock stars. I know. Move over, Beyonce. They've always been right. my rock <laughs> star. Well, here's Move the over, thing: Bae. we we don't know Beyonce. She could be a scientist. Be a scientist. <laughs> yeah, she true. might be. I wouldn't put she it past her. She's Illuminati. No, mm-hmm. no. She's an Illuminati Hold scientist. On. Stand by. Hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't heard? Oh, you haven't heard? Let me tell you about our Lord. She and lives Savior. in the Denver airport. <laughs> She's Illuminati. She worships something. Yeah. Money? I don't know. 
I have to show you this bird. Oh, yeah. Please do. Is part of it going to be trying to describe <laughs> what it looks like to the listeners? You know, know. what? No, but it does. We are going to have to have a slideshow on Instagram mm-hmm. for our yes. listeners showing you 100%. everything we've discussed. Okay, so it's called the Lyrebird, <laughs> and they are incredible. They live in Australia. They're beautiful birds. They're really gorgeous. Most birds are, especially the males. They have these long, pretty feathered tails that they can fan out kind of like a peacock, Mm -hmm. but they're really wispy feathers. Mm -hmm. And um, the most interesting thing about the lyrebird is their song. They sing throughout the year, but from June to August, it's breeding season and Mm -hmm. they could sing for up to four hours a day. And the song is a mixture of elements of its own song Mm -hmm. and any number of mimicked songs and noises. They can mimic to perfection the individual songs of other birds, the chatters of flocks of birds, koalas, dingoes. (laughs) They can mimic almost any sound they have ever heard. They can mimic fire alarms, dogs barking, music, (laughs) crying babies, chainsaws, Uh. and even human voices. So I have a video of the lyrebird singing a song. Let me fast forward. We don't need to see David Attenborough. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we? He clears a space in the forest to serve as his concert platform. To persuade females to come close and admire his plumes, he sings the most complex song he can manage, and he does that by he just did like the twenty birds. All the other birds yeah. he hears he made a serial crunching noise. And now he's a dinosaur. Oh my god! It's a very convincing impersonation. Oh. He's a raptor. Even the original song. <laughs> Monkey? He can imitate the calls of at least 20 different species. Wow. He is every animal. He also, in his attempt to outsing his rivals, incorporates other sounds that he hears in the forest. Oh. That was a camera shutter. <laughs> That's awesome. It was perfect. And again. <laughs> And now a camera with a motor drive. <gasps> that's awesome. No! Fire alarm? And that's a car alarm. Wow. <laughs> and now the sounds of foresters and their chainsaws working nearby. How? What? Gut. Uh. How is that coming Isn't out that of a bird? Insane. That was a chainsaw. Wow. I mean, the camera shutter was my absolute the favorite. That was the cutest shutter. thing. Yeah. And his mouth just going up and down while he's yeah. like, Ch-ch-ch. it can mimic any sound that mm-hmm. it hears. There's videos of people, um, because they're, they're, they come right up to you. They're not like shy yeah. animals. I'll I mean, they're not like. You parrots you know what yeah. i mean but they they aren't shy they're not gonna run away run away from you and there are videos of people being like and the bird just right back at them because it it's can the cutest like anything thing i've ever it's seen so cute. and it's very talented <laughs> um i have a nightmare animal yeah i mean he's not a nightmare he's fine and he doesn't harm anyone but it's the creepiest thing that's ever happened so I mentioned earlier I'm a little afraid of the sea. A little bit. Can't wait. There is a mole, like a mole that digs underground, uh-huh. called a... Wait, hello? Is it starfish or... No, it's just a star-nosed... 
Um, oh yeah! Oh come one. on! How could you hate on? You that? think they're no, cute? No, don't. Don't look at me. I can't. Look from the snout looks like a star because it Listen. has tentacles coming it's out of it. Witch. I came yes. from the woman who loves naked mole rats. Oh, oh that's, that's true. true. Which I surprisingly will is featured on Kim Call Possible? Me, Beat Me. If you want to reach me, yep. Kim Possible. How that's fun! Right. Yeah. What was that naked mole rat's name? Rufus. Naked mole rats are there's something about there's something that has to do with the their skin that is being unfortunately animal testing it's a real thing it's horrible but something about naked mole rats skin can potentially cure cancer naked mole rats have zero percent chance of getting cancer what yeah we need to be investigating those mole rats. They think it's something about the oils on their skin. The natural oils on their skin. Get some of that. Right? It's your little star guy. Let me get some of that. He doesn't. Okay, well. Tentacles. He's got tentacles on his face. Like a nightmare. His face literally (laughs) looks like an octopus coming at you. So he is my true nightmare. So he can give you ten kisses at once. Shut your damn mouth. I want nothing. That is, when I imagine a star-nosed mole coming towards me and making smoochy sounds, I everything inside How is it me worse? is cringing. Hey, what's um, what's Bill Nye's character's name in Pirates of the Caribbean two? He's in. Pirates I didn't even of the know Caribbean. he was in it. He's what? the octopus man. You're no, a he's liar. not. You're Bill Nye. Oh, using Bill Nye the no, science not Bill guy. Nye, Bill Nye. Okay, you have to enunciate. Madeline and I both thought. I was like, that is absolutely not him. I didn't even think of Bill Nye. I was Nye. like, I know nothing, but uh, I know this. Yeah, what is his name? And he's oh, on yeah, the, the tentacle. He's like ride. the captain. Yeah, and he's not has Barbosa. The ten- he's no. not Davy Jones. Davy Jones. Oh yeah, it is Davy Jones. Oh. No. Mm-hmm. Never mind. No, it's not because no, they're trying not. to find Davy Jones' locker. I thought the whole time, and so he's not. He is Davy Jones. Are we sure? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Because of the heart. And then that's why he doesn't have his heart is because the, the sea woman witch took stole it. it. You're right. So is it's Davy probably Davy Jones. And she's Davy. And he comes for dead souls or people that are about to die mm-hmm. and makes them join. Are we sure it's not tentacle face Jones? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Okay. So. <laughs> Star nose mole. <laughs> The sole member of the genus Condylura, this half foot long animal, so he's a little guy, ranges in wetlands from southeastern Canada through parts of the eastern United States and as far south as Georgia. So this mole is quite common in most areas, but few people even know this guy exists or have ever spotted him because he's mostly below ground or swimming around in swamps. And it's because he likes to be in dark crazy places because his senses are so heightened from his tentacles so moles in general can't really see and they have to use other senses to bump around and find things but this guy what i i'll hand it to him he's pretty amazing (laughs) (laughs) he has 22 fleshy appendages called rays that come around his snout making (gasps) him look like a horror movie and he's armed (laughs) with a hundred thousand nerve endings crammed into this area a hundred thousand nerve endings and this area on his nose is roughly the size of our fingertip. Like, hold up your finger. Listeners, do it. Look at that. <laughs> it's little. And he has all those nerve endings on it. So his rays are unique because they give him such a sensitive touch that he is able to touch 10 or 12 spots on the ground in eight. Wait, what is it? Eight tenths of a second. I think they said. Yeah. <laughs> And he can touch 10 or 12 spots. And so if you see him in action, it just looks like he's like shaking from side to side. He looks really erratic and nuts. But really, he's just touching all these different spots with his tentacles, hitting 10 or 12 spots in less than a second. And he knows after that second exactly what's in his area, how he should proceed and move forward, how many bugs are in the area that he can suck up and eat. He can also breathe underwater. (gasps) He like blows bubbles out first and if his bubbles touch any kind of object underwater like his tentacles will feel it and then he sucks the water back in and that's how he's smelling it if that makes any sense so he's blowing the bubbles out fluttering them around with his tentacles seeing if he hits anything and then sucks, sucks in whatever he in, hits and, and then he sniffs. can taste i want to eat him for halloween next sniff. year <laughs> 
If you do not go as a star-nosed mole for Halloween, I'm going to be so upset. This is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah so he great. is really cool. So he, he just, can do great. Know, he just looks not easy like on my the eyes. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the animal can identify individual prey in less than two tenths of a second and determine if it is edible or not. Just like I was mentioning, he can do it in the dirt or he can do it in water and they eat faster than any other mammal on earth. Once they have caught their prey, they can gobble, gobble, gobble with those Hmm. creepy appendages. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really, it's just, it's the shape. Turn it around. I'd like to see it. Oh yeah. So I wanted to show you him. I mean, I've seen him before, but I'll... I'm just uh, going to show you his nose up close. Oh, God. Yeah. It's God. <laughs> And then this is his whole body. So Aww. his body is not cute so bad. and fuzzy. It's yeah, just like, look those, at that thing sticking off the top. He's got those mole hands, though. That's mole what he said about you, man. <laughs> just careful what you're throwing around. <laughs> I know. I don't want to be described that way. No, mole's little claws are weird, too. So yeah, it's like a combo like of the claws and the Meant nose. for the digging situation. Yeah. His nails are too long. Their nails His are too long. His snout is too octopus-like. We're being like. very judgmental here I am, today. Like We're I body said, shaming cool the moles. I know. Scientists are obsessed with him, though, because of, I mean, he's so cool, like we were talking about. But also they think it's really looking into the world of senses and how powerful right. they are and how, how powerful like, they can be. Yeah, exactly. And how you can survive in this world with having hypersensitive being hypersensitive so they're just really interested in him but it's funny because scientists love him but are so frustrated with him because he's so hard to find because he's always burrowing underground or in a swampy marsh and they're like dude we need to look at you where you at it's like you don't need to look at me i'm ashamed of my (laughs) face lauren shamed (laughs) me me. shamed underground shamed me to live underground for all eternity so we have one more story Mm. That yes. I'm very excited to hear about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about your yes. This is just kind of a fun one. It is. So this is the Thanksgiving dinner that was pardoned and became a pet that's not a turkey. Yeah. What? Which. Did she tell you what it is? What? I a, only knew from your description. I don't what know what the animal is. What a white trash Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner so I, what, it, what is it if it's it was, not a turkey? It was a raccoon, and apparently it was rather common for its day. <laughs> what? What year was this? 1926. Ugh. So, also, there's a cat here in my face. Um, Sorry about it. That's awful. <laughs> All right. What? Here we go. So apparently they used to pardon a raccoon. They did. Every year. They didn't oh. used to. No, it was. So here's how the story goes. Yes, okay. Please, please tell me. In late November 1926, a live turkeys. animal <laughs> sent by one Vinnie Joyce of Nittayuma, Mississippi, arrived at the White House to be slaughtered and served up for that thanks- year's Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, boy. President Calvin Coolidge, however, became smitten by the beast and instead granted it a pardon. The lucky creature was no turkey, though, but a raccoon. While raccoon might seem an odd menu choice to grace the White House dinner table these days, the Washington Evening Star thought the strange part of the story was that the president didn't want to chow down on the woodland critter. Declaring, (laughs) Declaring raccoon meat less fatty than possum... The newspaper then invoked the culinary cliche that the ring-tailed animal tasted like, wait for it, chicken, albeit one crossed with a suckling pig. Okay. This is getting worse and worse. Here's the thing. (laughs) There's not too many times in my life that I'm grateful to be alive in 2018. (laughs) This is one of those times. When newspapers are arguing what's more delicious, a raccoon or a possum, yeah. that's this time. That's like, oh, I'm, I'm grateful to so be here happy in 2018. There's probably still people who eat raccoons. Oh, there's 100%. Possum. There's people in my family that still eat raccoon. <laughs> so, Is that true? I don't. Squirrels, yeah. Okay, yeah. Rabbits, squirrels. Yeah. And they're resourceful. Mm-hmm. This is also so sad because raccoons are cute. And oh, now I want one so as a Oh, cute. <laughs> I know. Go on. Um, so it, it wasn't total craziness because apparently Calvin Coolidge's wife was a big animal lover and okay. people were known to like send them pets oh, <laughs> like there was like a dream. bear at one point yeah anyway so <gasps> on with the Wait, story hold on were the Coolidge's 
Were they the white trash presidents? <laughs> I know. Are we? Can we celebrate this out them? Now? I can't say. I don't know. They were sent animals from all over the world. I think they might have been no. the hillbilly president. <laughs> well, Calvin Coolidge was known to be extremely tight-lipped, which I don't think fits into our so narrative. So he's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they weren't really keeping the animals. All right, I'll do some research on him later. The news was hardly surprising to the American public in 1926, however, as the president and first lady, Grace Coolidge, were known to be such lovers of animals that people sent them unsolicited pets on a regular basis. We always had more dogs than we could take care of, Coolidge wrote in his autobiography as he re- reflected on his White House years. While the canines, cats, and canaries that were sent to the president may have been on the conventional side, Coolidge also received a black-haired bear from Mexico, an African <laughs> pygmy hippopotamus oh. from rubber magnet Harvey Firestone, and even a pair of live lion clubs, cubs, which the fiscally conservative president gave the less than fuzzy names tax reduction and budget bureau okay well all right well here's that's the, where you lost he's 100 a serial killer yeah for because sure. that defies human being <laughs> logic also though someone sent him simba and nala right? someone Why? yeah and he named him tax evasion know, and budget crisis <laughs> he ruined it like why also so a hippo i and Yep, a pygmy hippo. Sounds oh, okay. So Little cute. tiny baby. Yeah. Wait, so do they not get very big? I cannot speak to that. Oh my gosh, a tiny hippo. That. <laughs> That'd be so great. Uh, the raccoon was just the latest addition to a menagerie that the press called the Pennsylvania Avenue Zoo. But the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported that the masked animal proved the most obstaporosis? No, I can't Excuse be saying that me? right. <laughs> what is that word? Obsta... Obstre per. That is not a real word. <laughs> mischief. Let's go mischief maker. Yeah, mischief maker. Because of, what? <laughs> of all the recent White House pets, it must have been a really good word in 1926. It right. must have been. That was the vocab word of the week. As she ripped up clothing and clawed on the upholstery, the White House staff thought the raccoon was a regular Houdini, given her abilities to wriggle free from harnesses and break out of the makeshift cages by gnawing away at the wooden bars, leading to wild chases through the president's home. She was a bad girl. Things began to calm down after the Coolidge's built a wooden house for their new pet in the in the bows of a tree on the White House's south lawn outside the window of the president's office. For Christmas, the raccoon received a special Yuletide gift, the name Rebecca, along with a collar sporting a shiny plate engraved with the words Rebecca Raccoon of the White House. No. How Rebecca Rebecca felt about the trendy $500 raccoon coat that the president and first lady gave to their elder son, John, that Christmas was never recorded. President Coolidge quickly grew attached to this new pet. Rebecca became the president's companion, walking around the White House grounds on a leash during the day, and at night she would crawl up into her master's lap in front of the fireplace. After moving into a Dewpoint Circle mansion in March 1927, while the White House underwent renovation, the chief executive missed Rebecca so much that he brought her back with him in the presidential limousine to his temporary quarters. The next morning, however, the president emerged with his wrist bandage, and Rebecca was banished to the National Zoo in Rock Creek Park. Rebecca! The press speculated that the raccoon might have bitten the hand that fed her. But Rebecca wasn't saying anything, and Silent Cal remained true to his moniker. Less than a week later, however, newspapers reported that Rebecca was back from the zoo and again in good standing at the White House. (laughs) What? (laughs) She just, like, got grounded for real. Yeah, she was like, you know what? You bite me, you're going to the zoo. I'm just kidding, honey. But don't bite me. But don't bite me. But don't bite me anymore. Uh, She gave the Secret Service fits by breaking out of her cage, scaling the tallest pine tree behind the summer White House, and spending hours playing keep away from the agents who tried to coax her down. (laughs) By early early 1928, Rebecca had a new raccoon companion, dubbed Reuben by the president. But the two got along about as well as Republicans and Democrats. (laughs) Rebecca increasingly (laughs) skipped out of the White House grounds to roam the capital city looking for adventure. After the periodic escapes became more of a pattern, the Coolidge's finally donated her to the National Zoo. Don't expect any raccoons to follow Rebecca's lead into the White House anytime soon, however, as it is illegal to keep a raccoon as a pet in the District of Columbia. Oh. Oh. 
Okay. I thought it meant everywhere, and I was like, no. Why? <laughs> I mean, I would be super surprised. I'd like one. Me too. They're tiny hands. They've got thumbs, Their so they can do the stuff. Their hands are the cutest. Um, I'd want them to be just like Miko from Pocahontas, Yeah, though. have you seen the video of the raccoon eating popcorn? Yes. <laughs> No, that's a Maybe. thing. Sitting I feel like they couch, can be so domestic. <laughs> sitting on a couch eating popcorn. So there is an Instagram account I follow called Pumpkin the Raccoon. Excuse me. Well, I will be very cute. It. You're Pumpkin gonna have to raccoon. do some background research though because they haven't posted much lately. I think she just had a bebe, so she's had other priorities. Um, Who the pumpkin? Pumpkin? No, no. Pumpkin I'm sorry. The mom. The, mom. Oh, okay. the okay. human mom. <clears throat> she hasn't posted very much lately, but. And anyway. if she just had had a baby, Pumpkin might not be living with them. I uh, know she oh. is. Oh, she is. She has posted. She has this little bathroom. She li- she's like Ooh. her main headquarters at night, and she likes to sleep in the sink. And she has this little bed that she covers herself in, so it becomes like a little shell, oh. like a little oh tree nook. Oh my gosh! No, you didn't. And she lives <laughs> somewhere tropical because she's always taking apart coconuts, and she's very good at it. It's very impressive. Maybe they live in Hawaii or something. I yeah, it's somewhere tropical. Also, if we're talking about adorable animal Instagrams, you should follow Mr. Pokey, which is about a hedgehog, and he travels oh. the world with oh. his owner. He's Pokey because he's a hedgehog. Yes, and I don't know what she does for a living, but she has like taken him to Paris, and I forget where else, but like he's been all over the world, oh. and the pictures of him, he looks like he's smiling from ear to oh. ear in is that every the one where he's picture. Like, yeah, like he always has one of his arms up, or his like little legs like, are you. kicking out, and he's yeah. like... Go world! I don't know if hedgehogs actually smile or if that's just the go-to face. Yeah, if it's off, if there's like a little like maggot, it's offering off screen. To right, get to <laughs> they're the holding board. up a bug. Yeah. But he's the cutest, Mister Pokey. There's also Monk and Bean, and they are two black cats. Ooh. And one of them, they look exactly alike, and I don't remember which one. I think it's Monkey. Has very long teeth and it looks like a vampire oh, they yes. stick out of his mouth Cute. so he's constantly like kitty yeah monk and bean and smoothie the cat is like the prettiest cat that's ever smoothie. lived <laughs> so go follow anyway, all of those so animal what, accounts what instagram uh, animals do you guys like no can the rest of our episodes be about animals please yes because this is so actually, much actually if any listeners <laughs> want to send us their favorite instagram animal handles yes. we would appreciate that very much changing the podcast to keep it animals. keep it animals <laughs> that's all the time we have this week for nope. keep it weird penny i'll kill you thank you so much for listening to our show and thank you to our wonderful patrons who donate to our show every month in exchange for bonus goodies another newsletter and mini sewed with amy is coming up soon and thank you so much madeline for coming on the show today yeah thanks for having me and talking to us about weird stuff it's our favorite (laughs) thing to do all the time do you have anything you want to plug my dog has an instagram that's perfect so it's kind of a story to it though i don't do it on your outro <laughs> do, it. do it on your what's outro? the what's yes, the story please. we adopted a dog her name's piggy she's very adorable she comes from a rescue organization called a purposeful rescue which is really who you should be following because that's many different adorable dogs but they are a rescue organization in southern california who deals mainly with dogs that need a bit more medical care coming from uh, oh. shelters around the area oh, interesting and so we adopted piggy she had some skincare issues and some other things uh and they were very adamant about asking us to make a page and we were like no we're not those type of people but she already had a following from her foster sister and overnight got 700 followers when we made the page what's her name piggy underscore the manatee underscore (laughs) the sharpiglet piggy the manatee oh she's up oh she's up she's oh (laughs) she looks like chance from homeward bound and i'm obsessed Oh, she's beautiful. She's very sweet. So if you're looking for another add-on, we post once in a while uh, just to show the love. Piggy has more followers than us. I know. There's so many good animals (laughs) out there in shelters that need homes or fosters if you have the means to do it. uh, Seriously consider it. This is, I've had many dogs growing up. Uh, This is my first 
personal own dog. You're like a first yeah. adult dog. First adult <laughs> dog, and she's amazing, and I'm mm. so grateful she they allowed us to adopt her. So. That's like the perfect message for our weird nature episode too. Yeah, like, no get out kidding. there and foster or adopt pets if yeah. you can. And uh, it was at a purposeful rescue mm-hmm. was where you, um, which I love yeah. that too. Yeah, this is wonderful. A nonprofit that saves dogs from the L.A. area shelters. Oh, there's so many cute. Okay. There's, that was another <laughs> good thing that came out of the wildfires was how many people stepped forward to foster. I did just want to yeah. like Aww. shout out to California. Like, I almost adopted a dog that was found in the wildfires. I know. But Penny said no. <laughs> Penny so, wouldn't yeah. allow it. Yeah. No, me and well, Alex like literally were scouring the pages like, I think we should foster. We felt the need, but so many people had stepped forward. The shelters yeah. were like, we actually don't need fosters. All of our wow. dogs found homes. It was crazy everyone stepped up so that was very cool california right way to go california also do you want to plug adam ruins everything yeah my super talented husband directs uh on a tv show called adam ruins everything not every episode yeah what but it's infotainment (laughs) i love that show (laughs) i'm very excited about tonight's episode where everybody has a lot to learn about guns Guns. Mm -hmm. and uh, i think there's a sleep episode he has coming up and the outdoors i'm not sure when those are airing but yeah look forward to that that's awesome yeah that's Your always, you know, if you like, you like learning fun stuff. Exactly. This Adam is, Ruins Everything. Adam it's the funnest way to learn it. Yeah. Well, and I used to watch Adam Ruins Everything when it was just an online show. Like yeah. I found it on YouTube and I was so excited when it became real. Did you watch the dogs episode? Yes. I designed that episode. You're the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bulldog that barks at the end and he's got a crown yeah. on. That yeah. was all you? I mean, like it was, yeah, I found that crown and <laughs> that's amazing. Make See? it stick. Yeah. You didn't know this whole. I, the reason I didn't tell you is because I want you to be starstruck for the whole I episode. I would have been drooling this entire time. You and your husband <laughs> you are been able my to pay any attention. <laughs> That's so cool. Make sure that you are following us on social media. Our Twitter and Facebook handle is at Keep It Weirdcast, and our Facebook page is simply Keep It Weird. Our Patreon is www.patreon.com slash Keep It Weird Podcast, and our Etsy page is www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast if you want to buy some merch madeline what's our sign off this week keep it weird <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> simple it's, it's classic it's classic it's go for a elegant. hike go for a hike keep it go weird for go hike. for a hike keep it I weird like it. go for a hike get That's outside yes. perfect perfect the end the end <laughs> goodbye <laughs> EPA officials swiftly arrived on the scene wearing. <laughs> yeah. My sneeze made a fart sound and it made me laugh. I'm five years old. That was old. pathetic. Oh, okay, anyway. <laughs>